For there to be improvement, there has to be change. And that change has to be something that, to an extent, is unexpected. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of penguins and pirates where you found this. I am eager to get aboard the Calvin Austin train. I really am. I'm not there yet because, you know, there isn't any football yet, and you can't judge anything from OTAs and minicamp. Austin is one of those classic overachievers, and you love that instantly about character, but you don't necessarily love it when it comes to potential. He's five foot eight, and that might be a little bit generous. That might be him in spikes. As a college freshman at Memphis, he played at five foot four, so he's actually had a growth spurt in the interim, and he's become a legitimate NFL prospect. If he wasn't, the Steelers wouldn't have taken him in the fourth round of the recent NFL draft, but they did, and other teams would have done so if the Steelers hadn't. He'd made it onto virtually every list, and he'd made it as a wide receiver, not as a gadget guy, not as a kick returner, not as a specialist, not as Dree Archer. And that's the name that I want to invoke here for those of you who go back with this team, because when you hear of someone who sounds, looks, or feels like a player you'd only use in some sort of trickery-type situation, you can dismiss them rather easily because in the Steelers' own history, they haven't been blessed with a whole lot of that. Don't conflate this with someone like Antoine randall who could play a legit wide receiver, but also come in and be your quarterback and end arounds and everything else. Everyone recalls a certain pass, of course, that Antoine made in a certain big game. But we don't look back nearly as fondly on Archer because what we were sold on Archer was speed, blinding speed, speed like no one else has. Well, that's the same stuff that's being said about Austin, and it's legit. It's measurable. You don't have to guess at it. You just time the kid. He's amazing. And when he gets the ball with any degree of open grass around him, he's going to utilize it to best effect. So if you want to come up with a comparison that probably makes more sense based on how he performed in college, you'd look at Austin as more of a Rich man's Ray Ray McLeod? How's that? It sounds like a shot at Ray Ray. I mean, we saw what Ray Ray did. Ray Ray was tough. Ray Ray would, he'd make the catches for the most part, and he'd find a way to get open enough that Ben Roethlisberger would trust him over the middle when Ben seemingly didn't trust anybody else over the middle. But then the plays would just kind of die. You know, there'd be nothing extra. This kid... This kid, by all accounts, is markedly different in that context. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how 
you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. I don't have a place on the football field for Calvin Austin. I don't. But I do know that at the time that he was drafted, the Steelers themselves made very clear, and passionately so, that this player was not acquired for gadgetry. They don't see that as his ceiling. They see him as being a regular part of the offense. What that looks like, again, we're going to have to wait until Latrobe, because what we know for sure is that Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are going to line up. We're pretty sure that George Pickens is going to find a spot right off the bat. We'll see about that. I'm sure he'll have to earn it. We can be fairly certain that Miles Boykin will get his share of snaps out there as well. What am I, four deep now? Yeah, four. So what's left for Austin? I don't know. Where do you put him? Where do you even start him out at the snap? And if he starts at a certain space at the snap, does he end up there? Is there motion? Do things get telegraphed if he's the man in motion? That's for Matt Canada to figure out. But this, according to Matt Canada's army of defenders, and I'm pretty sure it's an army at this point, based on the reactions I get every time I take some kind of Matt Canada jab on this program, this is allegedly a Matt Canada type of player. Great. Let's see how Matt Canada utilizes him. Maybe, maybe he'll be a guy that catches some passes out of the backfield or passes that would be the type that you'd throw to someone out of the backfield, even if he were to line up somewhere else at the line of scrimmage. You get what I'm saying here. If this kid can offer the Steelers additional splash, and not all splash has to be 80 yards. I'm talking about more plays of 20-plus yards. This was a team that was awful, awful in this capacity in 2021. I don't have to tell you that. As bad as they were at running the ball on first and second downs, that's all they did on first and second downs, thanks to Mr. Imagination at the coordinator spot. They weren't really particularly good when going downfield on those rare occasions when they even attempted it. Go ahead, blame Ben. Go nuts. What you have now is a big box of beautiful toys that's been dropped in front of Canada. And not just toys, but toys that he himself put on his list to send to the North Pole. These are his type of players, his type of quarterbacks. And judging by the community love affair with Ray Ray last season, Calvin Austin is his type of this wide receiver. So here's hoping, here's hoping that when camp opens, and of course, into the preseason games, we see a lot of this kid. And further, that we get to see him in a lot of different situations. Don't worry about the Bengals studying film. The Bengals are going to be prepared for whatever, regardless, by the time the opener comes around. Let's see 
what he can do. Let's see what he can handle. Let's see which situations he embraces. Let's see what he does with physical contact being a little guy in college. He was known as being really, really tough for his size, but this is the NFL and that's college. Look, I don't want to turn a potential positive into a negative here by bringing Canada into it, but this is this is all where this is headed. All of these offensive pieces have to be something that makes sense under the coordinator, and that remains to be seen. This piece, this piece, is certainly among the most intriguing. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped. Not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Ethan Bull in South Dakota, who asks, Hey DK, what's your early prediction on how you see the wide receiver room shaking out? I'm less interested in the top three and more interested in the last two or three who make the team. I feel like there's going to have to be a high-caliber player traded or cut to make the 53-man work. I mean, you have Austin, you have Anthony Miller, you have Miles Boykin, you have Gunnar Olszewski, and about four others all competing for two to three spots in my eyes. I don't know if this has more to do with the quality of play or what the team needs. I appreciate that, Ethan. That's good stuff, especially on a day when we're bringing up Austin anyway. I didn't even mention Gunnar Olszewski, and I can tell you that Olszewski was pretty prominently involved in OTAs and minicamp, not in some cast-him-aside kind of way. So that's probably a bit of a mistake on my part. Olszewski, for anybody who doesn't know, profiles also in the Ray Ray mold. Uh, He's not a big dude either, to say the least. When you see him, actually, until he puts his helmet on, you're wondering if he's one of the players or not. But he is someone who's been a special teams guy, so I wouldn't think of him as much from the wide receiver standpoint as I would from the returning standpoint. There's a good number of players on a 53-man who just make it for special teams. That tends to get ignored Uh, By a lot of fans, the more casual types who will just look at the depth chart and say, well, you know, here's this number of positions and here's this number of players per position. The truth is, at the end of the day, Danny Smith has a pretty big say on the very, very, very final 53 man because he has to have guys who can do certain roles on kick returns, and kick coverage. That'll always be prioritized. Always, always, always 
over having guys sitting around waiting for someone else to get hurt. On Sundays, you need everybody other than your backup quarterback to be available to participate that day. So I would see Olszewski as making the team. I think when you start getting into Anthony Miller, who I also didn't mention, has some potential. I know they like him. I know that he's been good in practice, impressive enough to keep getting looks. But would he beat out Boykin? You know, that's probably the head-to-head right there. I don't know about that. Boykin's a pretty good football player. And remember, Boykin was playing in Baltimore, where all wide receivers get graded on a curve. So if we're talking about five or six at this position, and that's usually the case, even accounting for special teams, you're probably looking at Miller as someone they would try to slide through to the practice squad. And if they can, they can. If they can't, they can't. You can find wide receivers from an injury emergency standpoint pretty much every week of the year. And if you're using Anthony Miller in your starting two or three for whatever reason, you're you're in trouble to begin with. But yeah, that's a good question. Sometimes I just say, oh, I appreciate that question, and it probably doesn't sound very authentic. I appreciate this one. It's a tough one to answer. This is one of those where the one through, you said one through three, and I'm presuming that you're just taking Pickens and throwing him right onto the field, which would be nice. But let's remember that Pickens had the ACL, and we saw how that affected Devin Bush, how it affected Zach Banner, how it affects everybody who has an ACL surgery. So even though he didn't have any apparent issues with it in the offseason training, and he certainly didn't have any issues with it in the national championship game for his school, at his pro day, or since showing up on the south side, you just don't know. You just don't know. So one and two, I'm with you on. Three, we'll see. Four, Boykin, Austin. It it sounds like there are a lot of really good options here, but I, I, I don't know, man. You know, just because you have a lot of guys that are around the same level doesn't mean you have a great group. It's more quantity than it is quality in my eyes. But we'll see. We'll see. Let's do this again tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.